The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Month alone, we have seen 5,366 applications made to the department for uh, work permits in the country. Workers from India, the Philippines, Brazil, and China have become, quotes, crucial to the Irish economy. That's according to today's Irish Independent. I'm joined now by Neil Richmond, who is Minister of State at the Department of Enterprise, Trade and Employment. Minister, good morning. Good morning, Anton. Can you give us a sense of what are the sectors that are most desirous of immigrant workers? Well, these are sectors where we have a clear skills gap, where we can't fill these positions with workers either from Ireland or across the European economic area and indeed the UK. So where they're coming into mainly last year, we saw a huge amount come into the health sector. Over four and a half thousand nurses came into Ireland last year, over two and a half thousand healthcare assistants. Last year, we still saw quite a number of people coming in to the tech sector, although that was down on the previous year, as well as financial services. And then we're seeing an increasing amount of people coming into the construction sector. To what extent is this that the workers aren't there or is there some underlying exploitation in that the workers are there but they won't work for the wages that an immigrant worker might work for? No, this is almost exclusively that the workers aren't there. And in response to that, we've actually increased the minimum salary thresholds that people will need to pay in order to get these workers in. Um, These are good jobs. These are highly paid jobs. But unfortunately, Ireland, just like the rest of the European Union, have a serious labour skill shortage. Now, this is largely down to the fact that our economy has been growing so fast, that businesses have been growing so much more. But equally, our society is growing. We simply need more nurses at the moment than we can produce. We need more construction workers than we can produce. Yes, we see huge amounts of people going into apprenticeships at the moment, but they take time uh, to get out working on building sites around the country. To what extent is that a, a function of demographics and to what extent is it the third level system not delivering the right graduates in the right numbers? Well, I think it's first and foremost a function of demographics. People are living longer, therefore we need more people in the healthcare sector than our third level institutions uh, can produce at the moment. And then in terms of the way the economy is developing in terms of the tech sector, we simply need people who have those skills now rather than necessarily in the next two or three years when they will get there by their third level sector and increase apprenticeships. But I'd certainly think demography is a much bigger problem. We're building a much better state, quite frankly. There has been some criticism of the bureaucracy involved in getting these workers in. I see Adrian Cummins of the Restaurant Association saying that while the permit system is relatively simple to navigate, the visa system uh, is challenging and slow, and the two don't seem to align. So they're two separate processes rather than being the one process. At the moment, they are two separate processes, but we can get a work permit issued to a general work permit in, the, in under 20 days at the moment from the Department of Enterprise. And yes, visas take longer, but thankfully that's what we system that we hope to have live in the next 12 to 18 months, whereby it'll be one application, one application, and you'll be given the work permit and the visa uh, at the same time as part of that application. It's a major undertaking to build that new system, but work is well underway and we hope to be able to deliver that very, very soon. Now, can I go back to what you said earlier on about the, the level of uh, the, the payment that these workers would get? If you look at some of the skills that the Irish Independent is reporting are needed, chefs, for instance, 2,361 permits going to uh, chefs coming into the country, healthcare assistance, 2,796 Presumably, if you are working as a chef or if you are working as a healthcare assistant, having workers come in from countries where the uh, wages would be so significantly lower than they are here, it must have a depressing effect on the salaries that are paid across the sector that you're in. 
uh, we're moving towards the average industrial wage. The whole point of bringing in workers from abroad, it's not cheap labour, it's not to suppress salaries, it's to fill a very clear skills gap. So when we have a healthcare system coming in from abroad and they'll get a minimum salary of €27,000, moving up to €30,000 this year, that is still comparable to what would be offered uh, in the economy. So it's a a balancing uh, act, I won't lie, Anton, but we managed to keep it very even that work permits are there to complement the skills gap. They're not there to undercut the market or provide cheap labour, and they quite simply don't. And if we look at the construction sector, it's €34,000 as a minimum salary uh, to bring in a bricklayer. But I challenge anyone to find a bricklayer who will work for €34,000 a year at the moment. And for these workers, when they come in, what level of permanence is there for them? Is it that they work for a couple of years and then we say thank you, goodbye, or is there scope for them to create a life in Ireland? There's absolutely a pathway to create a more permanent life. They come in, the work permit's issued for a year, and then, of course, their employer has the option uh, to renew the permit. We're also making it easier for the workers to be able to transfer. So I'll bring legislation into the Shannon this week which will allow a work, per, work uh, sorry, a worker apply to switch their permit and move role after nine months without having to go through the process again. And of course, all these years, the longer they're here, the more they can ap- apply for permanent residency and in due course citizenship. And we see thousands of people every every couple of months going through our wonderful citizenship cer- ceremonies. So many of those are people who came over here initially on work permits in the last 10 years, have contributed to our economy or society, built a life, put down roots, and now they're as Irish as you are. Do you worry about the experience that immigrant workers will have in the current environment in Ireland? Because the kind of protests and the kind of anger and uh, bigotry that we have seen um, directed at the immigrant community in general, it's highly unlikely that those people will differentiate significantly between somebody who is an immigrant worker and somebody who's just an immigrant. No, they don't. And people who hold placards saying Ireland is full are completely ignorant to the different strands of immigration. And I have to put it very clearly that people who come to this country to work play a vital part in the functioning, not just of our economy and the growth of our economy, but our society. We simply wouldn't have the nurses in our hospitals if there weren't if there weren't people prepared to come from abroad. But parallel to that, when we look to attract large-scale investments in Ireland, we have 15 of the world's largest pharmaceutical companies working here, nine of the 10 top tech companies here. They They want to know that Ireland is open, that they can bring top talented workers here, that it is a place that welcomes not just people, but outward investment. So when we see protests and we see some of the sloganeering and some of the casual use of language from more established politicians, we have to push right back that there is no indistinction, that absolutely we have responsibilities to refugees and to asylum seekers, but we have an absolute reliance on migrant workers and outside investment in making up the economy of a very small open trading nation. And is it those large employers who are the source of most of the the permit uh, applications? Is it the Googles, the Accentures of this world? Not really. It's a real mix. To be honest, one of the largest is actually uh, in the private healthcare sector uh, in terms of nursing homes, but equally into hospitals. You know, the HSC, plenty of these people are coming who are nurses that work in public hospitals. Uh, we see certainly lots going into large multinationals, but lots going into indigenous Irish businesses, into our meat processing plants, into onto our dairy farms, uh, into building onto building sites across the country. They're going to every aspect of the economy, both domestic and foreign owned. And finally, Neil Richmond, is it your expectation that this will now be the norm for the years to come, that we will see 40,000, 50,000 immigrant workers joining the country every year? 
I don't think we'll get up to that height. The highest we've had so far is 38,000 workers two years ago. We might get up to that again this year, but as the global economy settles and as demographic shifts change, I don't think we'll reach that. But we will always have a need as a small country to bring talent in from abroad. Look, you and I grew up in a period where no one wanted to move to Ireland. Now people want to move to Ireland because it's a great country to have a job, to have a job, to build a life, and they're playing a huge part of our economy. So we will see people coming to work here for many, many years to come, and good for that. Neil Richmond, Minister of State at the Department of Enterprise, Trade and Employment. Thank you very much. To get a, uh, an employer's perspective on this, we're joined by Donal O'Donoghue, Managing Director of Sanderson Recruitment and host of the Talent Matters podcast. Donal, what are you seeing in terms of the struggle for employers to find staff? Well, we're seeing that there's there's huge demand and there's huge skills shortages across the board. So you mentioned there, obviously, healthcare is a huge area. Hospitality is massive because we had such an an outflux of people leaving the sector after the pandemic when they found their employment was somewhat precarious, which is why we see lots of restaurants uh, around the country only opening from Tuesday to to Sunday, etc. So uh, in the professional services side of things, huge amounts of demand for software developers and engineers, etc. But the bigger problem that we have here, uh, and I want to acknowledge that the government has made some great strides in shortening the uh, the process for obtaining work permits. But it is really the uh, the housing crisis and the access to affordable accommodation that's the biggest challenge. Because with an improved employment permit system, as soon as people are getting to offer stage and they see the challenges in, first of all, finding a place to live and then the affordability of it, it just really calls into question the viability of people moving to Ireland. And it's the same driver that's causing our, our smart young graduates and our young people starting out in their careers to leave the country. We're seeing and we're hearing anecdotally, people are, it's more affordable to find accommodation to live in Paris at the moment than it is in Dublin. And that's the big challenge that we have. We've seen large employers like Ryanair, we've seen large institutions like University of Limerick cutting through that effectively and, and purchasing their own homes to be able to uh, house their employees. Are, are other employers doing the same, particularly large employers? Yeah, anecdotally, we're hearing that. We're hearing employers are buying up stocks of available uh, apartments or securing lease agreements. But that is the exception rather than the rule. The average employer, and Ireland is a nation of, of small to medium enterprises, just simply can't compete with that. So it's it's from a government perspective, we need a more holistic approach. We need to look at three things. Yes, we've got streamlining and improving of the uh, work permit scheme. We also need to look at our effective tax rate, which is a bit of a disincentive for people coming to Ireland. Uh, and we definitely need simplification there. And then the housing crisis is the, is the main thing. So it's it's uh, it's a complex issue, but it's certainly we're not an attractive proposition for people to come and work here at the moment, whether they're starting their careers or whether they're more senior. And to some extent, Donald, have we created a bit of a rod for our own back? Because it has been expressed public policy for a long time to try to attract in multinationals, particularly multinationals in the IT sector. And if I look through the list the Irish Independent has of where we're struggling to find workers and where we need foreign workers, IT business analysts, architects and system designers, business and financial project management professionals, uh, business analysts, management consultants, process engineers, computer programmers and software development professionals, the very areas where we have been trying to create employment, we now can't serve. Yeah, but I don't think the issue is that we've done such a good job with FTI that we've created this demand. Like this is a global need as the world becomes more digitized. The need for business analysts, project managers, developers and testers, this is a global demand. 
And in an open global marketplace, we have to be able to compete. And Ireland did that brilliantly for the past 25 years or so. It's really the last five, six, seven years where the, uh, the viability of working here is called, has been called into place because of the lack of affordable accommodation access to it and availability of it. What about for smaller companies? Because some of the uh, businesses or some of the, the trades or skills that are being looked for are things like chartered and certified uh, accountants, their production engineers, their tele- telecommunications professionals. Now, there might be a significant desire for them among small and medium enterprises just the way there is with the Googles and with the Amazons. Except it's much easier for a Google and for an Amazon to hire the people that can wade through the bureaucratic process and handle the hiring in of tens, if not hundreds of workers. Very challenging for a small company. It is indeed, but there are different things that a small company has to offer that make them an attractive proposition. You know, for example, and you tie it back to the the lack of affordable housing, the small employers that are based regionally where you know, an accountant or uh, somebody working in finance doesn't have to commute into a city centre or companies that have been a bit more flexible with hybrid working or, um, you know, taking a a broader view, you know, perhaps hiring two people to job share. You know, I think when it comes to recruitment in a challenging market like this, you have to look at more than just recruitment. It's about engagement. So how do you make your uh, place of work attractive in the long term to people? And that's all done in consultation with the employees. There has to be, I suppose, a really good two-way flow of communication to make sure that it's not just about the role that the employer needs uh, delivered, but it's about how attractive a proposition your company is for somebody to want to work in the long term. And the impact on uh, Indigenous employees, a tech saying, I just graduated with a master's in the IT sector. Getting a job in this area is proving impossible as I'm now competing with overseas job applicants who may have 10 plus years of experience. So what of all those graduates that we have convinced to get into IT and STEM and all the rest of it, only for them to come out and find themselves in the kind of position that that text outlines? That's an unusual one, to be honest with you, because somebody starting out their career shouldn't be competing against somebody that has 10 years experience. You know, the type of position you're going for when you're starting out is very different to somebody that has that has many years experience. But there has been somewhat of a slowdown in the tech sector. The good news is we haven't reached that point of inflection or that fracture point where there's more of a flow of candidates onto the market than there are jobs available. But I think for somebody that's finding themselves in, in that position, it can be really about refining the job search, making sure that they've got alerts set up for the specific type of role they're looking for uh, so that they're getting automated alerts from the different job boards on a daily basis. But there's certainly plenty of opportunity out there. And for people who are in the situation where they may be coming to an end of secondary school and trying to make CAO choices or people who are looking at possible tertiary degrees, can we infer much into the need that is here? For instance, that the high need for computer programmers and software development professionals if you're sitting in fifth year or sixth year, should you be looking at that and saying, there's obviously a gaping maw in that area, that's where I should focus? Yeah, it depends what, where your interest is, because you, you, you tie your studies to your, your strengths and your area of interest. But we know one thing, when it comes to coders and software developers, there is an alligator mouth. There's a huge growth uh, in the need for these skills. And uh, people that are good at maths, that are attentive to detail, that want to get into this area, um, they will have significant demand. And with significant demand comes very, very strong earning potential. 
Donald, thank you very much for your time this morning. That's Donald O'Donoghue, who is Managing Director of Sanderson Recruitment and he's host of the Talent Matters podcast. Now, we'll give you a shot at the cash machine. Your chance to win big. News Talk's Cash Machine. The Pat Kenny Show. With Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am. On News Talk.